if you knew what you were letting yourselves in for. You have me again next month, and uh, we'll see how, how you get on. Uh, I wonder if when you were a young child, you harbored ambitions about what you were going to do in life. Perhaps you wanted to be a rock star, or win Wimbledon, or perhaps your ambitions were a bit more realistic, such as becoming a nurse, a doctor, or a teacher. Perhaps some of you even managed to achieve those ambitions. Ambition is a good thing. It gives us a goal to strive towards and helps us to try to make something of our life rather than just muddling through. But sadly, not all our ambitions are realized. Perhaps we lack the ability to hit a ball across a tennis net and bamboozle our opponent. Or perhaps our desire to be a doctor disappears when we realize that we faint at the sight of blood. And let's face it, I was never going to be a ballerina. Destiny is different from having an ambition. Unlike ambition, the word destiny implies an almost certainty, an inevitability. Few children feel that they are actually destined to be the next Cristiano Ronaldo or Usain Bolt or Andy Murray. But of course, some are. It's no surprise to find that children of famous sports people follow their parents into that sport. It's almost as if they were destined for that career. I'm sure that you could name plenty of famous sports people who have well-known parents. The same is true in the acting and music profession. Simply by being around people who have a certain profession may well incline you to follow in your parents' footsteps. And of course, it doesn't hurt that you will know the right people to get in touch with. I wonder how many actors or musicians have traded on their name to get on in their chosen career, whilst those with just as much talent, but perhaps nobody well known to help them, fail to establish themselves. Then there are doctors, nurses, or vicars even, whose children follow them into that way of life, or people where there is a family business, and perhaps some of the children feel destined to follow their parents into the family company. And then you only have to think of the royal family. Almost from the moment of their birth, Prince Charles and Prince William have known that they are destined to rule. Unless we decide upon a republic, or unless they die before their parent, they will never have been in any doubt that one day they are destined to be king. If they held dreams of being a pop star, or even playing for Preston North End, well, those dreams would have to have been shelved in view of their destiny. David had known for many years that he was destined to be king of Israel. I wonder if as a young boy, when he was tending his father's sheep, he had any idea of the plans which God had for him. Did he have any inkling that he would one day be king? Or was he content to go about his business, looking after the flocks and waiting to see what would become of his life? I wonder how he felt on that momentous day 
when Samuel came to visit and told David that he had been chosen by God for this tremendous task. David's life was never going to be the same again. He was plucked from obscurity and found his true calling as the shepherd of God's people. But even though he knew what his destiny was, he had to wait a long time for the fulfilment. Time and time again, he showed his courage in the face of danger, but ultimately he had been forced to flee from Saul's presence because Saul was becoming increasingly jealous and seeking to put an end to him. But now the day of destiny had arrived. Saul was dead, having died in yet another battle against the old enemy, the Philistines. David had waited patiently, knowing that God had withdrawn his favour from Saul and transferred it to David himself. But this had not guaranteed an easy life. Far from it. And God doesn't guarantee us an easy life either. Being a Christian isn't a soft option. We're not promised that as God's children, our path through life will be smoothed and we won't have to face any difficulties. The rewards, however, are, as they say, out of this world. Saul had lost God's favour through his own fault. He began well, but soon started to take matters into his own hands and turned away from the guidance which God had given to the Israelites. Despite warnings from the prophet Samuel, he didn't seem to learn from his initial mistakes, but went on to compound his errors by making rash decisions and not following what God wanted. And this is at the heart of so many of our problems. We often choose to go our own sweet way when making decisions. We reach out and grasp for the things we want. Even if we know that they are things which God has promised, we want them now rather than having patience and waiting with humility for God to fulfill his promises to us. God isn't always testing us by making us wait, although he might well be on occasions. Think of the child who wants something to eat shortly before a planned meal. We say to them, wait a little bit. If you eat that now, you'll spoil your tea. We're not being cruel, just applying common sense. But children often struggle with patience. They have a perceived need and they want it satisfying now. Sometimes they may go ahead and sneak that chocolate bar when they think nobody is looking. Or perhaps the parents give in for an easy life, but the result is the same. It spoils their appetite for the meal which the parents have lovingly prepared. Our society has become a now society. We can't wait for the good things. We have to have them now, and we want instant gratification. We don't want to take the time to cook a meal. No, we prefer to buy a pre-packaged meal and stick it in the microwave for five minutes. Yes, it satisfies our cravings, but at the expense of feeding our bodies all sorts of junk. Don't get me wrong. 
I enjoy a microwave curry or something else, but as a special treat, not because I can't be bothered to wait. We want to see instant results and get frustrated when things don't happen quickly enough for our liking. Having struggled for years to lose some weight, I decided to join Slimming World. It started well. I lost two and a half pounds in the first week and I was busy calculating right at this rate, I will have got down to the weight I want to be by by my birthday. Wonderful. And the weight slowed. And last week I put on half a pound. It's very frustrating. Things don't always happen as quickly as we want. And although the British are famed for queuing, we still get impatient when we have to wait in line and the person in front seems to be taking forever. No wonder so many stores have developed a one-queue system where you go to the next person available. I like these. After all, it always seems to be my queue which is moving the slowest. David showed great patience. He knew that his destiny was to become king of Israel but he waited on God's timing. He didn't try to take matters into his own hands. Even when there were occasions when Saul was vulnerable, he refused to take advantage. There was even a time when Saul appeared to be in a position where David could kill him, and some of David's followers were urging him to take that course of action. But David refused to act in this way, He trusted his future to God and was willing for God to show the right time. And what did David do on discovering that Saul and some of his sons, including his close friend Jonathan, had died? There was no rejoicing, no gloating that perhaps Saul had finally got his comeuppance. Instead, David mourned the loss of the king leading his fellow Israelites in paying tribute to Saul and Jonathan. We have a saying that one shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but it would have been so easy to think of all the evil deeds which Saul had committed and his attempts to take David's life. David, however, recalled all the good things about Saul. And having done this, you might think it would now be time for The king is dead. Long live the king. Here was what would have seemed to have been a God-given opportunity for David to seize power and begin to reign. But no, David's first act was to speak to God and to find out what God wanted of him. He could simply have grasped the throne, but he was humble before God and sought his will first. And God instructed David in what he was to do. He went, as commanded, to the city of Hebron, and there the people anointed him king over Judah. Not all of Israel accepted David as king. A strong contingent supported the one remaining son of Saul, who was made king by Abner, by the son of the leader of Saul's army. Israel was divided, and the time when David was to be accepted king of all Israel was some years in the future. 
We tend, as Christians, I believe, to focus mostly on the events of the New Testament. We're more interested in the life of Jesus and both what he had to teach us and what he did for us on the cross. But these stories in the Old Testament have much to teach us too. And there is plenty that we can learn from this passage and apply it to ourselves. Firstly, we can learn patience. When we live in a society that wants everything yesterday, it's so easy to get sucked in and to go along with the crowds. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 tells us, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. God's timing is always perfect. And if something we want, or something we feel we're being called to do, isn't happening when we want, then we need to develop patience. Perhaps there's something we need to learn during this period of waiting. God has the big picture. Can you imagine a brush full of paint telling Rembrandt where to put it? And yet we try to force God's hand. I'm a big fan of Graham Kendrick. And he wrote a song many years ago, which contains the lyrics, In your way and in your time, that's how it's going to be in my life. And I play this every time I feel the temptation to be impatient with the way that God is taking his time to fulfill the things that I'm expecting. Perhaps you might be able to think of a Bible verse which reflects God's perfect planning and timing and which has special meaning for you, and reflect on it whenever events don't appear to be moving fast enough for you. The second thing I think we can take from this is our constant need to ask for God's will to be done, and to seek it. I don't mean that we need to ask God about every tiny decision, there are some who would have us ask God for advice about what socks we should put on in the morning and what we should have for breakfast every day. No, God has given us brains and he expects us to use them. But major decisions should be prayerfully considered and we need to listen to God speaking both directly and indirectly to us. Let me give you an example. In the late 1970s, I was given the opportunity to go to California to study in San Francisco at Berkeley University. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but I wasn't sure whether or not I should accept. I'm an only child, and my father had been ill for a year or so, and the doctor seemed at the time unable to work out what was wrong. But my parents were all for me taking the opportunity. I was torn, and I prayed long and hard about it, and I shared it with my church and asked them to pray too. Most people were very positive about it and encouraged me to grasp the chance with both hands. But one person told me that she believed that God was saying that this was not for me, that I should remain where I was in Liverpool. In her words, I felt I could hear the voice of God and I made the decision to stay in the UK. Over the next few years, 
events unfolded, which demonstrated without a shadow of doubt that this was the correct decision. God can speak to us through the Bible, can speak, I believe, directly to us, but can also speak through other people. But if we don't seek his will, it's almost as if we're blocking that channel. I suspect that I'm speaking to people who already know these things, but it never hurts to be reminded. Perhaps there are areas in your life where you are becoming impatient and God seems to be acting too slowly. Don't try to rush things along yourself. Perhaps you should be asking what it is that God wants you to learn while you wait. After all, you wouldn't give the job of cooking the tea to a toddler. They have things to learn first, although you might hope that in time they would be able to tackle such a task. Perhaps there are areas of your life in which you have put yourself in control rather than seeking God's will. It's very easy to do. Then all you need to do is repent and, like David, Ask God what he would have you do. Are you being self-centered or God-centered? So like David, wait with patience and pray for God's will to be done. If we are faithful, God will surely bless us as he blessed David. Amen.